time. Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Crystal's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Tita's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday night, October 26, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time. That means we are live. That means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. Welcome to episode 563. And before I go too far, i got to tell you guys a little story. Um, I, I have a friend at work who absolutely loves our theme song, Eric. He thinks it's great. Can you believe that? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, I mean, we've uh, been talking about a potential update, which we were kind of like starting to stir about in the background. But the one that we got is is still pretty rocking. Yeah, I kind of like it, and he kind of likes it. So um, I want to give a shout-out to my friend Francis. He's listening to us live right now in Killington, Vermont. So, Ooh. yo, represent, Francis. Enjoy the podcast. All right, guys. As of right now, we have 131,393 downloads of this very show. Very, very impressive. And 174,112 followers on our Facebook page. Just unbelievable. You guys rock. So thank you so, so much. If you've missed any of our shows or you just want to see what we look like because we all have the face for radio, that's why we Oh, we do speak this for podcast. yourself, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can head baby, over. I look good. Okay, Trek. let's just be that, clear about it. I look good, all right? Jeez. You look good. Well, we all look We all look good. I, <laughs> you get over there. <laughs> Some of us look better than others, uh, unless we have something that's a loop in our face, David. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you can head over to trektalking.com. And while you're there, you can check out all of our past shows. We have a blog. You can read a little read-ups about my Trek spurt, see what we look like in the flesh, and uh, just kind of hang out there and have some fun. TrekTalking.com is where it's all at. Everybody, I hope everybody's having a happy Spocktober. That's right. Halloween is right around the corner. So this will be our final Spocktober show. So everybody beware. And before I introduce all of my awesome experts, and we'll start off with my very own Paul, because Paul was kind of on hiatus last week. He's back with us. He's also in Portland, the toy guy. How you doing, Paul? 
I'm well, Uncle Jim. It's good to be back. I had some important covert work uh, that needed to be done for NASA. I can't really talk about it, but, uh, but you know, very important on the hush-hush. And uh, it's good to be back in uh, conventional uh, existence again where the stakes are less uh, dire. So <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Thanks, buddy. We also have David. I don't know if he's got his donuts or his chalupa with us, but he's with us also from Portland. How you doing, David? I'm pretty good, pretty good. How are you guys? Hey, it's Trek Talking Thursday. What could be better? <laughs> right? <laughs> and also, wrapping up the trifecta, the triple play, the hat trick, if you will, from Portland, the one, the only, Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Well, I am doing fantastic. <laughs> I am such I'm just having a great night so far and this episode I'm super excited to talk about it and I'm doubly excited that the fact that like Lower Decks is bringing the animated series back into our consciousness. Uh it just is like it brings joy to my heart to be thinking about the animated series and know that all sorts of Trek fans out there who maybe have never thought about the animated series before are now thinking thinking about it. So thank you so much, Lower Decks, for that. Woohoo! Well, wait, wait. I thought. What about very short Treks? That was a celebration of the animated series. <laughs> that should have brought uh, hundreds uh, of thousands of fans. <laughs> the so fun. Series, right? I think that was more like somebody Maybe escaped a from a mental fans. institution and took over the uh, <laughs> yeah took over the show writing area and yeah. uh, somebody who had a real like kind of almost like pornographic uh, affectation for diarrhea and bodily functions. Uh, that's all I remember. Just took it over. Yeah. Don't forget boogers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. All that stuff. Just. Uh, not hot at all, friends, just so you know. Uh, yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, not, make, not making it happen. Lower deck. Lower deck. Lower deck. We talked about it once, and we shall never speak of it again. Mm-hmm. And also with us from Las Vegas, our very own Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good because the weather's getting better. I'm feeling better. And tomorrow is Nevada Day Observed, which means I get a three-day weekend. Whoa, that's cool. Is that like the day that it became a state or something? The official day is uh, October 31st. Oh, wow. But voters decided we need a three-day weekend versus actually taking the day off. Hey, Oregon, this is a very good idea. You should listen to Nevada on this one. I think we need an Oregon Day. Oh, we love having our state holiday. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a really great show planned for you guys tonight, so you don't want to go anywhere. We're going to be talking about Lower Decks episode Caves, which was last week's episode. And we're also going to be joined by the one, the only, Leslie Hoffman. And Leslie Hoffman is best known, actually, for being the hall monitor in the original original 1984 version of Nightmare on Elm Street. But for our interest, she was the stunt double for Bolana Taurus on Star Trek Voyager, and she also worked on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And she has worked in Planet Hell in the cave set, and she's going to talk a little bit about what the cave set really was like. So you guys definitely don't want to miss that. But wait. There's so much more. We have our Star Trek birthdays, our Star Trek news, 
and our fan shout-out. So we've got a lot of fun playing for you guys tonight. Speaking of fan shout-outs, you can head over to our Facebook page, which you can easily reach by going to trektalking.com and clicking on the Facebook logo. When you get there at the top of the page, you will see a live long and prosper pin. All you need to do is tell us where you're listening from. Make it creative. Leave lots of emojis because that gets my attention. I'm like, I got the attention span of a five-year-old, so all those little emojis really catch my eye. And uh, every week I pick some lucky listeners, and we give you a personal shout-out at the top of the show. So, Eric, are you ready to start with our fan shout-outs this week? I am a thousand percent ready, and we're going to spin that globe and stick our finger right down on Moselle France to get started and thank top fan Mikael Croix-Lenard for saying hello to us and sending us a French flag, which I'm absolutely sure is what grabbed Jim's attention. Top fan status, of course, means that you more than some other fans interact with us uh, on our Facebook page. We always appreciate that because, after all, uh, without you all out there, it would just be a bunch of uh, middle to old age men sitting here talking about Star Trek. So thank you so much for your support. This show is so good for my ego. I'm I'm so glad I come on here. People listen to us. What? Thank you so much, Mikhail Kualinad. We appreciate your support. Also, we appreciate top fan Rune Brother Bastard, which I, I love that last name. I'm hoping that's your actual last name, Brother Bastard, who's <laughs> saying hello to us from Denmark and sending us a rock and roll sign. And I'm saying rock and roll to you, Arun. Thank you so much for your support over there in Denmark. Hello also this week to Charlotte Christensen, who is supporting us from Denmark, sending us a Danish flag, which is the thing that got Jim's attention. And I love it. That's such a pretty flag. It's really nice. Of course, Red is my favorite color, so what are you going to do, Charlotte, right? Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. And last on my list, of course, is Axel Frederico Dizay, who is saying hello from Argentina, sending us three Argentinian flags. So uh, there you go. Uh, Who can send more? That's what I want to know. Thank you so much, Axel. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Oh, thank you, Eric. Let's start off with Lee Sawyer. Welcome from Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah, I bet it's starting to get cold up there. Welcome to Greg Snowden from East Mississippi. I got a good friend I used to know from NEA in Mississippi. Loves corn dogs. Welcome, Carol Miller from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Carol. And also, welcome to Patrick Yaki from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Welcome, Patrick. David, who's on your list? Yeah, I got a lot of folks on my list. So first, I would like to say welcome to a top fan, Rizelle Kazol from Central Illinois, USA, sending us a little smiley face. Uh, next is another top fan. I would like to say welcome to Aline K. Knudsen. Knudsen. From North Dakota, USA. And uh, the last top fan I have is uh, welcome to Elva Monreal Luna from Texas. And... The next one is a welcome to John J. Watkins from Northwest Indiana. Paul, who's on your list? 
Well, man, we got all kinds of good fans who have been checking in with us this week. So it's really great when the community comes together from all points of the compass, longitudes and latitudes near and far. First of all, we'd like to say hello and kapla to our good friend Jelena Ponovic in Belgrade, Serbia, all the way over there across the Atlantic. Great to hear from you, Jelena. And then we've got top fan Jesper Koch. Uh, it could also be pronounced Coke. You never know. Uh, but uh, flying the flag there, Jesper is over there in Malmo, uh, Sweden. So great to hear from you, a top fan, Jesper. Uh, always great to see our top fans weighing in, including top fan Erika Mihara in Konnichiwa, Japan. Now, I, 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 I'm used to Konnichiwa being a greeting in Japan. I didn't know there was a town or a city that was named after that. So it's very, very cool. I'm guessing that Erika lives in a very friendly part of the world. That's super, super cool. And finally for me, it's top fan Raffaele Serone in beautiful Roma, Italia with the uh, live long and prosper Vulcan salute flying proudly. Great to hear from you. One of the most breathtaking parts of the planet, Raffaele. Great to hear from you. Thanks for being a fan. And I'll go ahead and pass this sucker back over to Uncle Jim. Thank you so much, Paul. Well, I'd like to start off by saying thank you and kapla to Ann Stevens, who's listening to us right now in Long Island, New York, USA. Thank you so much. We also want to send out a live long and prosper to Debbie Whitehouse, who's listening to us in Augusta, Maine, also here in the U.S. of A. We want to say kapla to Adam M. Sullivan, who's listening to us in Rhode Island. And last but definitely not least, I represent my home state here, Richard Allen Schneck. I got to enlarge this. Shatterkirk. Is that right? Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk from Vermont. I remember that episode. It was a big mop needed. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that also a cave episode? Yeah. (laughs) I think that might have been a cave episode. Must have been a very, very short track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Super short track. guys would like to be mentioned in a future fan shout out head over to our facebook page and just let us know where you're listening from if you'd like to be a top fan we had several tonight all you need to do is interact with us on our facebook page one of the ways you can do that is by answering the weekly question that i put up about the episode i usually put it up around 10 o'clock about eastern time on friday and so tomorrow around coffee break i'll put up a question and ask you what did you score last night's episode on a scale of one to ten so eric fans have to say about cave well jan miller gave it an 8.5 she said she loved it top fan missy homan said eight out of ten one of my favorites this season top fan eric nagamine said an eight great show of the personal growth of our lieutenant jg's have gone through our our lieutenant junior grades have gone through thanks eric Stephen Honcho gave it an 8 out of 10. Top fan Andre Mueller gave it an 8 out of 10. Very solid classical cave episode. It felt a bit like a TAS episode. <laughs> totally agree, Andre. Smiley face back to you. Top fan Paul Moses said, I like the flashbacks, but the end bit seemed unnecessary. 8.5. Thanos Geronimos, which I hope is your real name, uh, gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Jim Stoffel gave it an 8.5. 
Preston Hurst said, I never give anything a perfect score, and this is no exception, but I would rate it an 8. The whole series is basically Rick and Morty in space, and I'm cool with that. Kristen Briest-Noor said, I really enjoyed this episode. It was good to get the four of them back on a mission together. Plus, it was very funny. 9.5 out of 10. Uh, that gives us a fan score that I think is actually higher. This says 7.6, but I would love it if somebody else was to run these numbers really quick because I'm pretty sure it's going to be higher than 7.6. I'm going to estimate <laughs> until somebody can actually confirm this number that it's probably going to be in the eights because uh, we got uh, – what do we got? We got one. I think it's 7.99999. It, 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 it might be. It might be. I mean, everything – Everything is over. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was, that's why I'm vamping because I was hoping there's only one score that we've got at a 7.5. Everything else is at least an 8 or an 8.5. So to me, that makes it sound like this is going to come in at like an 8.1, 8.2. That's going to be my, uh, my approximate estimate. Uh, I'm taking bets on the side uh, for this number. 8.1, 8.2. i tell you what, I'll give two one odds. <laughs> I hope everybody brought their piles of latinum because, of course, uh, this this joint doesn't take anything but uh, but the finest currency. I so, bought the uh, Boimler hand purse. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, at the speed of Charles's calculating fingers, I'm hoping that we can offer you a updated fan score here that is absolutely accurate per the listed scores <laughs> that we just gave. It's hard to vamp for an extremely long time. Yeah. I think I uh, Charles is building it in Excel or something, right? He's he probably, some he might like, be. Yeah. You know, Gantt yeah. chart or something <laughs> weird that I don't even know what it is. He's yeah, doing scatter graph. I mean, that, I just can't even yeah. imagine. It's just like, but I can, we don't need I can it, yeah. hear the sound of like gears turning and like smoke coming out of the back of a circuit board. It's just it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So I'm uh, I just don't even know what's going to happen. But uh, all I know is I hate silence on the radio. So when there is any, I feel compelled to fill it. Absolutely. <laughs> terrible, you know, terrible crutch of mine, if you will. How are we doing, Charles? I, what do you, what do you got for us? I know you got something uh, for us. Oh, darn it. I just erased it. Well, okay, now we need a uh, background. Hey, can I give you an old show business trick? It's great. <laughs> you guys want to hear it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, when you don't know something and you're not sure about it, just make something up and lie, and no one ever knows. So, oh, hey, great sex, Charles. It's eight point two. Eight point two. Oh, we forgot we were on mute. Number. <laughs> a fan oh. score of eight point two. Excellent. So you're pretty close. Eight point two five. There it is. Eight point two five. We round up to eight point three. So yeah. there you go. Eight point. The magic of Hollywood, eight. isn't it amazing? Everybody. Okay, eight point three. Eight point three. I'm glad we spent <laughs> some time on that. So. Which uh, we could have. Uh, segment. Good <laughs> segment, <laughs> friends. <laughs> now back. Previous segment was really quick, <laughs> so you know we had to fill some time here. And, like, you We're know, back from commercial. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Carry on. We're live here at the Swimming Pool. Let's make it so Already in progress. And you know what that music means. It's once again time to put on your thinking caps and join us for Star Trek Trivia Time with Uncle Jim. All right. This one's going to be quick and easy. I guarantee it. And the first question goes out to Eric. Eric, you ready? Of course. 
We're going to set the timer at 60 seconds. There's no pressure. No Ooh, pressure boy. at all. All right. Okay, are you ready? In I'm ready. which episode do the Vendorians make their first appearance? Six oh, talks, man. That, I, it was so talks, fun when I was watching today's episode because the Vendorians are one of my favorite um, TAS characters. And so back in the day, they were in season one, episode six, The Survivor, which I, of course, yeah. rewatched, as I'm sure most of our friends out there yeah. did. Uh, after did, they watched this cave's episode, yeah. <laughs> didn't everybody do that? I, I, did. I did. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So we're up my, the, my truck spurts are one for one so far, but now we're going to put Paul on the hot seat. You ready, Paul? Oh, God. Hold on. Let me uh, unhook my okay. colostomy bag. Yep, I'm ready. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, <laughs> in the TAS episode, Survivor, what yes. actor voice? <laughs> Carter Whiston slash the Vendorian. So you're talking about the original animated series episode, not the one we just saw um, bottlerized on uh, Paramount Plus, correct? The original very episode good. of Survivor. Correct. It's very oh, good. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're talking about uh, the great actor uh, Ted Knight, who uh, portrayed many famous television characters, including uh, WJM TV Minneapolis, Minnesota anchorman Ted Baxter from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. So I believe the correct answer. Uncle Jim would be uh, Ted Knight, also star of Caddyshack and other numerous uh, seminal motion pictures, if you'll pardon me Amazing. using the word seminal on a family program. Amazing. Yeah, Caddyshack being being the best. <laughs> All Thank right, you. So we are two for two. My first uh, are kicking it tonight. Charles, you ready to, to get on the hot seat yourself? Yeah, let's go. All right, from... From the episode Caves, who said, uh, this is a quote from the episode, who said, a bunch of rocks always beat centuries of technological achievement. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Was some, <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Was somebody yeah. who did the chanting, Delta shift, Delta shift, as Mariner joined in with them. That's right. That was a Mariner quote, and a, a rather funny one, I might add, as well. And, David, David, you're, you're going to have to uphold the honor. You get the final question. You ready, buddy? Yep. All right. Here we go. Uh, yes, I, I see you there. I, I, know this, I know this is there. There I'll is a right question there. There is a question. Who is a conspiracy theorist aboard the USS Cerritos? Ooh, I just rewatched this episode today, and I actually found out his first name was Steve Levy. Steve. That's right. <laughs> My truck spurts kicked it as usual. They are the best. The best indeed. And uh, let's see, what's that? Oh, okay, I got to find the, the sound bite here. Okay. <laughs> Take it away, Charles. All right. As I was starting to look up Easter eggs in this one, I realized I couldn't spend a whole lot of time on caves because there were so many other Easter eggs. Now, we will get around to talking about this, but one of the big things, oh, all these caves seem alike. <clears throat> well, let's reference Paramount's aged team. 
They're known as Planet Hell. That's right. A lot of cave scenes and a, many episodes had been filmed. DS9's Heart of Stone, episode, season three, episode 14. One example of a cave episode. TLS, Court Martial, season one, episode 20. The first time they've ever mentioned Ion Storm. <laughs> as as mentioned, TAS, the Survivor, season one, the Vendorians, the first time they appear. TNG, Force 19, excuse me, Force of Nature, Season 7, Episode 9. When Levy mentioned the destructive warp drive speeds. Which somehow Enterprise. is kind of ignored in the future of Star Trek, as far as I can yeah. tell. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're trying to keep the warp speeds up, except for areas where it's really bad. Enterprise, unexpected, season one, episode five. A male engineer becomes pregnant, and a little bit of that glow that our engineer saw, their engineer saw too. TNG chain of command, parts one and two. Season 6, episode 10 to 11. Jericho decides to redo shift changes and thinks about ending Delta Shift on the Enterprise. TNG, Chain of Command, part 1 and 2. That's one of our very popular cave episodes. Yes, it was filmed on Planet TNG, Next Phase, Season 5, Episode 14, Chroniton Particles, were brought up and first mentioned. TOS, The Deadly Years, Season 2, Episode 12, where we see some of the crew members rapidly age. Now, let's go the opposite. TNG, Rascals, Season 6, Episode 7 where several crew members suddenly are now 12 years old. Lower Decks, Second Contact, Season 1, Episode 1, ep- Episode in Tindy's Story, when she talks about the uh, being stuck in the uh, lift. That's the actual episode that they were talking about. DS9, Forsaken, Season 1, episode 17. Another episode of people being trapped in a turbo lift. So as I said, I didn't get to too many cave episodes, but boy, there were a lot of Easter eggs in this episode. Yeah, it was a, a real look back. Sure. A real look back into a lot of different series. All right, guys, we're ready to, ready to dive into caves? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Time Let's to go through Ghost Spelunky. But before we do that, though, um, we're going to be introduced. We're going to be joined by the one and only Leslie Hoffman. As I said at the top of the show, uh, she's been involved in Star Trek Voyager as well as Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, being Halloween, though, being Spocktober, you guys can catch her on the big screen or your TV screen in the original Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street as the Hall Monitor. 
And um, any time that I have Leslie on the podcast, I'm delighted to play this clip of her. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, this is Leslie Hoffman in honor of Spocktober from the original, the original uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's the phrase that a lot of people want to have Leslie sign on their autographs. So without any further ado, I want to introduce to everybody the one, the only, Leslie Hoffman. How you doing tonight, Leslie? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, really great, and I am very glad uh, to have you on the podcast. I don't remember the last time we did. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually, I think it's well over a year since I've been on the radio or on your show. Yeah, it's been a long time. So uh, my, my co-host wanted to know what you thought about Lower Decks. So before we dive into the episode, what did you think about Cave? About, uh, oh, I love it. I love Lower Decks always. Um, I, I'll still get, I'll, I'll go with what most of the people said. I'll still go 8.5. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, Strange New World, Old Scientists, that, 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 I don't think anybody can top that episode, that crossover. I would agree, absolutely. So, Leslie, we're talking about caves, and there was a lot of references by Boimler and other crew members uh, made about caves, but you actually worked in the caves. So what can you tell us about Planet Hell? Uh, You know, well, we actually talked yesterday and and you know it's i get so focused on what i'm doing on that the stage where the caves would be would be stage 16 and i used to just call it the planet stage i didn't call it well i don't know if are we allowed to say you know double l word h-e double hockey sticks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so now I just forgot which way they say it, whether they say the hell planet or the planet hell. But planet uh, hell. actually yep. I was talking with the people behind the camera and they also called stage sixteen uh that name. So it isn't just the actors. I mean, it, it's cast and crew. But <laughs> I don't know. I read something about 
that that uh, I think Jonathan Jonathan Frakes said that you could smell cat urine and there are feral cats. And I'll tell you, uh, any time that I worked on sixteen, I I don't know. I guess I I didn't smell it. And and another thing is, I never saw a cat at Paramount Studios. I don't know where all these cats. <laughs> went off to when when I was working, but like you say, I never saw one. They must have been afraid of the Klingon. That that that's what it was. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, well, everything you see on a TV yeah, set, they, right, they where it looks like it's someone's toupee is really one of the. Yeah. Yeah. Or when they said hiss. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> And they ran away. So, uh, Paul, yeah. did you want to ask Leslie a question, Paul? Yeah, Leslie, it's great to, to virtually meet you here. I was uh, checking out a lot of your uh, credits. You have been busy for a long, long time, friend. I mean, I've just seen so many stunt credits that are on here. Um, you're a force of nature. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just, it, it. I I live the life. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I'll just quickly say, if this makes any sense to you, what you just said is my father wanted me to be a gym teacher. <laughs> and I always, well, originally when I was really young, I thought I wanted to be an actress. But then once I saw the Western stunt show at Universal Studios, I knew I wanted to be a stunt woman, which is still the same union. It's still the Screen Actors Guild. So, so I did get my wish. So, uh, well, a lot of souls there. Anyways, my advice to anybody is dream the dream. Go for it. I mean, the worst that's going to happen is uh, you don't succeed, you know, but at least you tried. So maybe that's my what I'm trying to say is if you have a desire, at least try for it. You know, that's just great advice. Don't, yeah, that, don't give it up. Yeah, there's nothing worse than regretting and you never took your shot, right? So, I mean, that's, that's, that's the worst. But you've just done so much stuff. I mean, you were on like uh, Police Story and MASH doing work on that, uh, Avalanche, which I remember really well. Uh, and I, I, you were on like you had a you did stunt work on 1941 for Spielberg. I'm pretty sure, right? Right, right. I doubled Wendy Jo Sperber. So, uh, actually, this this is a no no to say. Uh, I, I Facebook uh, when I said Jap trap, they they censored the word Jap, but that's what it was called in the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, algorithms I, got I no go, sense. I can't say that, uh, you know, we walked on the trap. <laughs> crazy, crazy. But you you got a great career. It's really awesome to just check this stuff out. I mean, I'm just every one of those, uh, uh, you know, jobs just leads to like 150,000 stories, right? I mean, because you've been doing so much great stuff. So um, aside from Star Trek, uh, did you have a favorite TV series um, from like that kind of 70s, 80s? Uh, period in your career that you think was like the coolest TV show that you really are just had the most fun working on? Um, boy, that's, 
Uh, well, as you said, of course, it's Star Trek is the number one episode. Well, Voyager and Deep Space Nine. I mean, again, that's a that's an absolute dream come true. I'm an original Trekkie, so to to watch a show in the '60s and suddenly be working on two different series, you know, in the '90s. Um, uh, again, it's a dream come true, but okay. So back to your question, Hmm. uh, television show or can it be television or movie? Your call friend, dealer's choice, whatever you like. Well, okay. I'll try to, I'll try to answer. Well, you kind of named naked gun. Uh, going down the banquet table as Queen Elizabeth was was really exciting. <laughs> that was you. Uh, <laughs> I totally remember yeah, that. All stuff. I have to say is, do you remember going the Queen Elizabeth going down the banquet table and her legs <laughs> up in the air? Well, that's yeah. me. <laughs> that's great. That's a, that's a that's a prime moment from that picture, man. That's great and. Everybody saw that picture, so that's awesome. Good for you. That's wonderful. Yeah. I don't want to uh, monopolize our time there, so I want to make sure that the other Trek experts get a shot, too. Oh, okay. Don't forget Planet of the Apes. um, (laughs) You know, I mean, as opposed uh, it's so that actually is such a hard question to ask, because I enjoyed working on uh, I would say almost every show. Maybe maybe a couple shows were bad experiences, but uh you know, I mean 1941 was a lot of fun. Um uh, Clue uh being carried in by Tim Curry and uh uh Christopher Lloyd, I mean <laughs> as the dead cook's body. I mean that was fun. Um <laughs> Uh, Viva Rock Vegas, Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas. I mean, to, uh, not necessarily the filming, but Harvey Corman was still with us. And I just remember a group of us sitting around and he was telling us stories uh, of his past. And, and, you know, it just was so amazing to hear him tell us things about his life or things about shows he was in. Um, So that's movies. Uh, Television, I doubled Doris Roberts a lot on Remington Steel. So, I mean, you get to know people when when you tend to do multiple episodes. But, uh, uh, again, another wonderful memory is when I did one episode of MASH, and I only did one episode, and it was lunchtime, and I'm sitting at a table by myself, you know, away from the other, well, from the main characters. I mean, I don't want to butt in on on the main characters. There's a hierarchy, you know, and so, so I wasn't sitting near the other people, and I hear this voice say uh, something like, can I sit with you or can I have lunch with you? And I say yes. And as I turn around to see who I said yes to, it, it was Harry Morgan. It was Colonel Potter. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, I mean, and we sat there. Again, I couldn't tell you what we talked about. I mean, we weren't talking about MASH. We weren't talking about the entertainment business. We, we, we were just talking. And that's a wonderful memory. And then uh, my absolute favorite, and it kind of goes back to Naked Gun, but the Cardinal Montalban, where I first worked with him on Fantasy Island. I mean, he he was the most amazing person when you think of the history in movies that he had before he played Khan, before he played uh, Mr. Rourke. I mean, he was a movie star, movie star in the 40s and the 50s. He was the Latin lover. And, I mean, he just was such a gentleman. And whether you were cast, crew, uh, actor, stunt person, or extra, he just, he talked to everybody. And, well, so the most amazing thing was, like I said, he knew me from Fantasy Island because I worked several episodes there. And I walk on to the Naked Gun uh, set and I hear this voice or, or I don't know, maybe I saw him, whatever. But he comes up to me. Ricardo Montalban comes up to me and says, hello, Leslie. He remembers my name. That's so cool. Yeah, and that's and a class reached act right me. there. That's I mean, great. yeah, I, I yeah, just awesome. my my heart just really sunk the day that he passed away. I mean, he was he was like you say the most amazing uh, actor that that I ever met. Real Corinthian leather, by the way. You can't forget that. <laughs> right. Well, I. I don't know if I've told that story or not, is that, you know, so working on a set, you're allowed to drive on to the lot. And I had either a Corolla or a Corona Toyota, a used one, but I had recently got it painted white, and they put uh, like a fake black leather top, and <laughs> Ricardo walks up to my car, and he goes... That's a nice car, Leslie. And I wanted to say, and yes, it has real Corinthian leather, but I felt that <laughs> that might not be taken well. So, so I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. <laughs> hey, uh, and uh, Eric, did you have a question that you wanted to ask Leslie? Well, I... Leslie, it's awesome to have you on the show again. We've had you on the show many times over the years, and the only thing that I could think of to ask you about uh, was another person because there are a lot of awesome stunt people from back when you were doing your work, and I was just curious, did you ever cross paths at all with um, with Zoe Bell back in the day? Okay, I'm... I do have trouble hearing, and uh, okay. I, I Sorry, I'll say it. I, I'll say it just a I little bit louder. I couldn't hear the I'll, name. Yeah, yeah. Zoe Ball Bell is. Uh, oh it, no, yeah. she's she's from New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, you know, when she was doubling, um, great, just flew out of my head. 
when she was doing Zena. a majority of her son work, she was doing mm-hmm. it in New Zealand. So, so no, I I never did meet Zoe. Okay. I just knew she was from the same era, and I wasn't sure if you guys had ever had the chance to cross paths or not. Yeah. No, I I, I believe she did come to America, but it might have been – uh, after my retirement out of the business. Uh, okay. Yeah, she's you know, like I think a ton she lives of Tarantino here movies. now, but, but like you say, when she was doing the majority of her stunt work, it was being done in New Zealand or, or, or wherever they were filming the show. Gotcha. I don't think it was Australia. I think it was New Zealand. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right. Up, I think a but, lot of those uh, shows may have been filmed in New Zealand. I know she had absolutely did some American work as well, so I thought perhaps, you know, perhaps you had crossed over. But, yeah, uh, it's just like Paul said. I mean, it's just uh, so cool to always have you on and talk about uh, all the great stories that you have from back in the day. So I'm just going to go ahead and pass this microphone back over to Charles. And, Charles, you got anything you want to ask uh, Leslie about here? Yes, I do. Besides blood fever, what do you think is one of your memor- one of your most memorable visits to Studio Sixteen, to Sage Sixteen? Uh, well, okay, blood fever was uh, it was on the planet stage. It was stage sixteen, so yeah. it was a cave. I, I, you know, I when when Jim and I were talking yesterday, I'm just thinking it as a cliff, but obviously we were in a cave where the cliff was. So yeah. It was a cave. Then uh, was, um, you know, I was supposed. Well, three of us were supposed to rappel down the cliff. Uh, Torres, um, Neelix, and and Tom Paris. And Neelix's rope. Uh, actually, it's the the uh, not the carabiner. I forget what they call the the pick. Maybe comes loose and and he falls. Uh, but what I remember personally for me was this this director. And I'll get to that in a moment. This director wanted me, you know, we tried it a few times. And he said, could you move over about three feet uh, to your left and rappel down from there? You know, and he's the director. So I move over three feet to the left and I step off the side of the cliff and my leg goes into a hole in the cliff or an indent in the cliff and my leg collapsed and I fall or when I say I fall is I collapsed my leg collapsed and my other leg was still sort of at the top of the cliff and the rope my rope went over the the arch of my foot and I was stuck. I was upside down and stuck, and I could not pull my leg free because my body weight is pulling on the rope. Now, I'm in no danger. I know how to repel, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on. And, 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 it, mm-hmm. and, in fact, it doesn't even take that much pressure at all when, you're, when you know how to repel. You know, I just kept 
in position, but I just couldn't get my foot free. And all I could hear was Dennis Madalone, the stunt coordinator, and other people screaming and yelling because I'm upside down. You know, they think I'm going to fall and kill myself. And finally, uh, this crew member peeks over the side to see uh, what everyone is yelling about. And he sees that I'm upside down. And all I say is, could you give me my foot back? And... (laughs) And he picks up the rope, you know, he he grabs the rope and stands up and his body weight and standing up is enough that I can pull my foot out from underneath the rope. And and now they're saying, okay, everybody come down. And I'm going, no, 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 you know, I'm fine. Let's do the stunt. And we and we did the stunt. And uh, the next day, I'm talking to Tom Morga, a stuntman that I've worked with a whole lot. Well, Dennis, Tom, and I have been friends for, what is it, uh, 40 to 50 years now we've been friends. Um, Anyways, I'm talking to Tom about how nice the director is, and he says, yes, Garrick is a really nice director. I go... That's Garrick? I never saw Andrew out of his makeup. I didn't know that was Garrick. (laughs) Wow. That's funny. (laughs) Andrew. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I would say that, well, that was, that that scared a lot of people, but I would say that's mm-hmm. one of my most memorable times in the cave or on stage 16. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Leslie. It's always been great to you. We haven't had a good talk oh, since uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. So why don't I pass it over to yeah. David before we get to our review of the episode. Yeah, hi, hello, uh, uh, Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's uh, nice to have you on the show. Um, I think this is my first time ever hearing you on the show because I didn't join that too long ago, did I? Anyway. But, yeah. Um, it was last think... week, David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Actually, on H and I tonight on uh, DS Nine, they're showing Covenant, which is the uh, well. Uh, that's where uh, uh, Goldicott, you know, creates the new religion, and this woman gives birth to a half Klingon or half Cardassian, half Bajoran baby, and. <laughs> And Goldacock goes, it's a miracle, you know. And anyways, uh, he he gets the woman in an airlock, and he opens up the door, and, you know, I slam against the, the stunt was I slam against the door, and then I fall down, which also that's another story. It doesn't make any sense, and I, I actually – you know, I I I knew what the answer is going to be. It, the answer is because that's what the script says. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if you opened up an airlock and you're in outer space, your your body would just 
crush right through that little slit in the door. You know, yeah. so <laughs> so I I I remember I went up to the AD and 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 said something like, "Well, if they opened up the airlock, wouldn't I just be sucked out into space?" And he goes, "Shut up!" But he met it. <laughs> he met it in a funny, nice way. <laughs> nice. So I, I was going to ask a question, but I think my experts uh, had already pretty much asked what I was going to ask. But I guess what I could just go down to the basics and just say, like, uh, when you used to do all the stunt work for all these shows, did they uh, – okay, let's just put it this way. What was your favorite food that you had when doing a lot of stunt works? Huh. I'm like a, the lunch card came through. What was the best food you yeah, ever had on theory. set? Yeah, well, who's your favorite craft, craft service services. company? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. Too many people talking. Um, I know you're asking for a favorite thing. Uh, lunchtime? Uh, I, they, they served us either, either – if you had enough time, you would walk over – uh, to the commissary, but uh, we ate off of a lunch truck, <laughs> so I don't know okay. <laughs> what my favorite lunch would be, <laughs> or or isn't that or what what were you asking? Is that which company I, I having guess lunch you're with? Basically, or? like, what was your favorite food that you remember eating? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Um, I, I won't necessarily say favorite yum, yum, yum food, but it was nice to, you know, I would get to the set early in the morning cause, um, I mean, earlier than my call time, uh, because I would rather be studio than stuck in traffic or, or a car broken down somewhere. So I would say my favorite food was to arrive at the studio and have a cup of coffee and have a breakfast burrito that, you know, just help wake you up and get you going. Nice. <laughs> cool. All well, right, uh, Leslie. Well, yeah. I thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy day to chat with us. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, it was a pleasure. I I really like talking to you guys. We'll have to uh, schedule you on again in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> oh, I'll be here. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. All right. Great to talk Thanks, to you. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks, Leslie. Bye. Thanks, Leslie. All right. Talk to you later. Have a good night. Bye. You too. Bye. Good night, Leslie. All right, everybody, that was the one and only Leslie Hoffman. And now we're going to talk about the episode Caves and who, which one of my Trexperts wants to jump in jump and take the cave dive first. How about you, Paul, since you weren't with us last week? Okay, man, I, I, will, I will try. And I'm going to try to keep my, my thing down to dull roar here so I give plenty of time for everyone else and keep us moving. Um I have been concerned about this season of Lower Decks. Um, I think they got a really good start 
with the first three episodes, um, right up through uh, in the cradle of Vexalon, right? And first three episodes felt really super good, um, real tight, funny, fresh. Ever since then, I have felt like it has just been really, for me, rough sledding. Um, not a lot of great content. And I just kind of feel like they're in a real rut. And uh, as far as, you know, you know, creativity and something funny where you're, oh, this is a show I should be busting my ass laughing at, right? Because it's a comedy. It's satire, right? But it's, I just am not getting it. It is not working for me compared to previous seasons. And part of that may be is I went and did a big watch of all the previous seasons for the episodes I'd missed, you know, through so I could be complete, watched all one through three, and it's just, just not as good. I think they're, you know, they're in a real slump and they maybe need to benefit from some, some fresh writing. And, uh, you know, it's great that they have the new uh, Vulcan character. You know, I think that's been the one bright spot of this season to Lynn. But this episode to me was just a total snoozer. It was like they had a bunch of like leftover, you know, ideas from for little short snippets and stitched them all together in a completely incoherent way and it's just really tedious for me so uh not a lot of good stuff for me to say uh, sadly so i don't want to belabor it and leave a lot of time there for everybody else but uh yeah um I, it's like to me having just the whole idea that to say okay the whole concept of like zeroing in on episodes that are cave focused, like it's some kind of trope that we would all identify around and trying to turn it into a, a thematic worthy idea. It's like, if I said, Hey guys, I want to do a, I want to do an episode that's a, a tribute to all the great uh, food replicator episodes that have ever been seen on Star Trek. To me, it's equally absurd and, and trivial. It's just, it's, it's an environment that's gotten used for a few times. It's, a television show. It's one of the sets. Move on. We know. But turning it into this, you know, supposed like trope that people have affection for and no, I just don't see it at all. So for me, guys, uh, a real snooze fest. I really hope they can somehow redeem themselves in the last couple episodes of this uh, season. But from where I'm sitting, it just doesn't look like it. Feeling generous because I had a pretty good week, so I'm going to give it a five. <laughs> but certainly nothing higher than that. And that's uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, how about you, David? What do you think? Oh, I would have to kind of disagree with Paul. Um, I actually really liked this episode. It was one of the better uh, episodes for the past couple of weeks, and um, I really enjoyed hearing basically episode with inside the episode, and it was just makes you wonder like the idea of what might have happened like the fan between last episode and you know this episode and like how many missions did they go on and like what all happened so you can actually give a lot more story detail about like their past uh missions and it kind of makes for an interesting uh camp story i guess you could say <laughs> But to me, this one this one actually was uh, pretty well done in a way that um, not only was it humorous, but it was also more of a uh, a lot of um, uh, what's the word? It was just a lot of creativity, I guess you could say. Because to me, this episode, even though yeah, it featured the 
T-A-S uh, Valdorians, which I'll get back to in a moment, but, um, oh, Vendorians. But yeah, so to, to me, I think this episode overall, I I believe that the part of the, um, let's see, where am I going with this? Sorry, I'm just kind of getting a little distracted here and there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, I'll just make it short. The, um, uh, I'm definitely going to be giving this episode probably about a good eight for me, but, um, I do have a question for everybody. If the Vendorians or Ven, whatever those race were called, if they can shapeshift, how come they weren't such a big deal in Deep Space Nine? They had, they had the shapeshifters from the uh, they had the Odo to deal with, so they didn't want... Actually, no way. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Deep Space Nine was focused on the founders, so they didn't bring the Vandorians into it, yeah. Well, if you went back and watched the TAS episode, The Survivor, they kind of answered that question for you because the planet was quarantined and people weren't allowed to, to go there because of their shape-shifting abilities. I, I, when I watched the, the TAS episode, huh. Fox specifically says that. So they people weren't they weren't kind of like the um, uh, in Discovery um, Talos the delusions yeah yeah hmm. same basic thing okay because I didn't oh. know that when I like like Eric I went back and watched the episode and uh, Spock says it right in the episode that people aren't allowed to visit their planet because of that reason so that's why they aren't on Deep Space Nine because people aren't allowed to go to their planet. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I guess that's my uh, uh for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll I'll jump in here next. I gotta say, uh, because in my humble opinion, the worst Star Trek episode ever—I mean, ever, ever made—is what episode, Paul? Oh, oh sorry. Very uh, short God, that's the... <laughs> you just ambushed the me there, dude. Sorry, I, I thought the we very were worst uh, episode ever. Jump in here and give me a hand. You know what it is. The word of all of from all the franchises. Every Star Trek and episode the children ever shall lead made. is the right answer. Well, it's there's, pretty there's bad. Or or shades of gray. Yeah, I think yeah, shades I think shades of gray, of gray is the worst. Right? I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty uh, brutal. Yeah. I mean, it the there's, a, there's at least kind of a kitschy camp quality to Children Show Lead and The Empath, which are the worst series episodes of uh, of uh, original series. But man, Shades of Grey, you just want to like gouge your eyes out with a fork. Yeah, Shades of Grey is the worst. It's a clip episode, but not a good <laughs> clip episode. Terrible. Well, I got to give this episode kudos because they did a clip episode <laughs> the way it should have been done. If they yeah, had done new content. Gray, they had done Shades of Grey the way they did Caves, then it wouldn't be the worst Star Trek episode ever made. Caves did it right. When you're going to go back and do clips, you have to show us clips that A, we haven't seen, and B, that fit in with established storylines so that you know we know what's going on. And Lower Decks did that perfectly with the clips that they chose to show us. And it was like, I think David was saying, it was nice to see that these people actually do other things than what we see them do on the show. So like they do other away missions with other crew members and, you know, 
stuff like that, which is why I enjoyed it because it wasn't a rehash like, you know, Shades of Grey, which was great. And any time that they reference EAS like they did, kudos, kudos. Because I hope everyone that's listening to this podcast is going to Paramount Plus and watching The Survivor. If you do that, um, it's a great episode. So I think that that was cool, too. And I, I overall, I'm with David. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun to see that Andorians and um, the way they did the clips was, was really cool. The only thing that disappointed me a little bit is they haven't gotten back to the ship yet. Um, this was supposed to be the ongoing thread through the whole season. And I think they dropped the ball a little bit on that. Um, because after last week, I thought we were going to see more of the ship. We didn't. So hopefully, well, not hopefully, we have to. There's only two episodes left. <laughs> hopefully tonight's episode and next week's episode will deal with the ship. So uh, that's my take on it, and I, I enjoyed it. So I'm going to give this episode an eight for sure. How about you, Charles? Okay. Where notes? Um. One thing definite in here, the four crew members are back together. Now, I think one of the examples of the reason they did all the different stories, they made Lieutenant J.G. this season. How is this different from other seasons? Well, they're now lieutenants, uh, junior to lieutenants. They need to do other things. They're leading missions. We see three different cases, Boimler, Rutherford, Mariner, off leading missions. And that's their task. They don't get to always work with themselves. They admit, hey, we haven't gotten a chance to work together in a while. And we see examples. One of Mariner's lines I love is she walked over to the transporter. Stupid Kate cut, beam down to the planet, mission. It's like, that was, I enjoyed that line. But having Boimler and dealing with Levy. And of course we saw the Vendorians on, as they were spending time on Kieran 4. Bacchus 9, Rutherford and Tiana dealing with the interesting little baby. Incident. Glish. Mariner and Delta shift. Dealing with the chromaton. The uh, uh, chromatones. They're an organic experience. Organic experience. Biotemporal flux. Now that was a nice little. uh, Trek. Trek. Trek line in there. I can't think of the word. Trek no babble. And then before they escape, they want to hear about Tendy's story. And I thought I thought it was funny that that story went back to the first episode. And I think they we, I, I didn't take a good look, but I have a feeling with discussion on it that they had to re <clears throat> because the series has grown up a bit. They went back reshot some of those scenes. But tied us back to the beginning of the series. And what it's like to be stuck in a turbo lift for four hours. 
<coughs> I think this was a very fun episode. The cave rope. Well, when you start learning the history of things like the Studio 16 and the Planet Hell, and you start realizing how many episodes were filmed there, go look them up. You'll find out there were a lot of episodes in TNG and Voyager that were shot there, but there were some from some of the other series, I think, spent time there too. But when it's easy to just sit there and repaint a stage a little bit or change camera angles and you've got a brand new cave, yeah, turn the other way. Oh, that was the cat. Oh, that's that's the cave from two weeks ago. Turned over. Oh, yeah, that's the cave we're going to use in a month. Okay, so they did reuse the cave quite a bit. That was a joke in there for fans to realize. Oh, yeah, they did use that trope a lot. I'm going to go with an 8.5 on this one. I enjoyed myself with this one. I think it's the All crew right. to realize how much they missed each other. Well, Eric, you got the caboose this week, buddy. Woo, all right. Uh, man, I just respect the opinions of all these Trexperts so much because I'm, I'm like, every time somebody says something, I'm like, yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. So I think, I think generally speaking, I agree with, um, I agree with Paul in that the, the quality, I think, over all of the episodes is just a little bit lower this season. I don't know if I would go quite as far as Paul in that um, I've actually enjoyed quite a few of the episodes kind of past episode three myself. I thought Empathological Fallacies with Talin was really, really good. That was one of my favorite episodes, and that was the fifth episode. On this one, um, I agree with Jim. I think this one did the the clip show thing correctly. <laughs> it made me happy to see that. Um, I love bringing the Vendorians back, of course, because I love TAS. Um, I agree with Charles in that. I think it's cool to see the Lieutenant's junior grade, I think is the correct way to say it, um, yes. leading missions and, and, and doing stuff. Um, I didn't mind the cave trope. Like I, I, the cave trope is very, because whenever I think of of the original series, one of the very first episodes that I always think of is Devil in the Dark, because I love that episode so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a cave episode. And so I just kind of have this affinity, I think, for for like, and, and Charles's, um, you know, cadet training sort of extended that to turbo lift episodes, which are not unlike cave episodes, except that cave episodes tend to be more like is somebody going to come get us? And Turbo Lift episodes are, we're just going to vamp until somebody comes get and gets us. So they are a little, a little bit different. Um, so anyway, uh, the Trexperts have already said so much about this. A couple of things that I really love that haven't been talked about yet. Uh, I love the parallels between Rutherford getting pregnant in this one and the uh, first season episode of Enterprise where Trip gets pregnant when the alien touches him and it's kind of like this accidental thing. So that that was a nice, you know, one of the things that Lower Decks does is it's got this cost, constant kind of 
referencing of the past. And I think that it probably gets 30 to 40% of its appeal based on its referential nature to the past, which I think is appropriate. I mean, it's a, it's not meant to kind of necessarily blaze new ground. It's meant to look at the old ground that's been blazed and kind of permutate on it a little bit, like make fun of some parts of it, like advance some other parts of it while also keeping us interested in these characters. And I think keeping us interesting, interested in the characters is one of the ways that this episode succeeds, honestly. I mean, you get Rutherford kind of Rutherfording, um, you know, he, what is he, 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 he like creates the, um, oh, what is it? He does like a technological thing in this episode that is amazing and he just kind of does it off the top of his head which is which is cool we don't spend yeah. a lot of time with yeah what is it charles do you remember um he had reflected through the material to create the uh base material we needed to yeah engage and to be able to use the communicator yeah. pulling the material from the other material and that and so he you know they don't spend a lot of time on that but it's like a uniquely Rutherford thing. So I, I appreciated that, I guess, about this episode. Um, just fun stuff. I thought the monster was really cute with the little monster baby. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. didn't mind that at all. I thought the tension kind of building over the entire episode about waiting for the Tendi story was kind of fun. Because, you know, every time a new story came along, we were like, oh, but what about the Tendi story? Um, and... And, and I just loved the the Ta'ana and Rutherford story. It was my favorite part of the episode, I think. So, um, yeah, I know not too much I can say that other people haven't already said, but I overall kind of dug this episode. I thought it was really fun, and it made me want to watch it a couple of times just to just to have fun with it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give this one a, let's see, let's go with a solid 7.5. 7.5. It wasn't amazing, but it was like... I would watch this episode more than once for sure. Okay, so I got a question for everybody. Uh, for this particular episode, which part in this episode was everybody's favorite part? The end credits. <laughs> <laughs> well, I liked it once Ta'ana like started really liking the baby. That to me was adorable because it was like a development of her character. Okay. Charles? Uh, I think was fun of Mariner finally realizing how much she respected Delta Shift. Uh, okay, what about you, Jim? I like the uh, conspiracy guy where uh, Wolf 359 was an inside job and Picard is a hologram and all that craziness. <laughs> I, I I thought he was a riot, all his crazy <laughs> stories. <laughs> nice. so as fans, as fans, we know, you know, we see the episodes and know the truth. But for him, living in this in the Star Trek world, he, you know, he's got all these conspiracy theories about how it's all fake and it was an inside job and the government did it. It was the Men in Black. I I thought he was funny. I liked that. Cool. For me, I don't know why I started laughing really loud, but when Mariner and everybody were stuck in the turbo lift and she ended up throwing the sock at Boimler, it stuck to his nose. I was like, that thing really made me laugh so much. You like that slapstick humor, man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, overall, Charles, what what do our uh, our truck spurts do compared to our Facebook fans? Well, our Facebook fans adjusted to an 8.3. We worked to a 7.6. 
All right. Respectable. Respectable. Yeah, but we're and, the uh, again, which is unusual for us. Yeah, I mean, well, it's actually that's... been kind a little bit consistent, except for that something borrowed, something green, which for whatever reason we all sort of like. But that was the week that Paul was gone, too, so... You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you we'll don't have my, uh, my heavy ballast bringing down everything, right? <laughs> We're gonna blame what about Paul. standards? Oh, get rid of it. <laughs> we are need them. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, we do we do have a caller on the line. Ooh. Yeah, let me see if I can get this thing to work, because sometimes <laughs> the gremlins don't want to. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Kabla, my brother is Ray. Hey Ray, how you doing, buddy? And I heard, I heard everything for the past hour and a half. Woo. All right. Well, we shouted you oh, out, man, because yeah, we love we love having you on. Yes, yeah. I did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm getting 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 so that's what happened. So that's why I've been on the. That's why I haven't been on the edge so long. But 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 but, but aren't you ask one question? That such as yeah, right. Dex, I'm like, okay. I mean seriously. I mean seriously. Don't taste it one way, please. Don't taste it one way. But aren't you? I try to watch never, this show. Never, you know? never. Okay, 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 okay. Before I start, I, I want to say this. This is like this. this. Why is it that the people who did this this series? It's like, okay, okay, like, okay, like, you do, I, I mean, I mean, they do, 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 back in the days, right? Now, I really watch The Simpsons to watch that damn series, to be honest with you. I really do. Because sometimes, like I said, like I said, some of the episodes, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like, it's like, it, 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 it could be a call for. I mean, for a point of reason. To make, I, I mean, what? I mean, what? To make people laugh, like I said. You got, let's say, you got Star Trek, you got Naked Energy, you got um, Deep Space Nine, you got Voyager, you got Enterprise, and you try to make a joke, a joke about, about this, about this, and put it on a strange new world. Now, um, now, for my opinion, what is, what, what, uh, what are they trying to do here? To ruin the whole time franchise, since, I mean, what, since the beginning, what, since the 60s until now? That's what, that's why I don't watch that series too tough anymore. Because when I'm on to I'm going to I will agree with this one. So it's really like, it's really ironic. So are you saying you don't want me to send you a copy of Lower Decks Season 1? No. Send me a copy okay. anyway. <laughs> send me a copy anyway. Send me a copy anyway, Uncle Jim. You know what, no, I, no, I, no, let's say, let's say, let's say, I am not. This, this, this is the whole entire series. It's just like it's like some episode you said earlier talking about. It's like it's like kind of like ironic. Like I say, you want to see this copy? That's not a problem. It's not, it's not a problem. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? You know, it, 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 excuse me. I mean, you have you know like once in a while you have your bad days, your good days. You understand that? You want to send me a copy? You send me a copy? I, 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 I'm ready for it. Well, you know, Star Trek. There's there's something there for everybody, and if Lower Decks isn't for you, that's completely fine, right, guys? No, I take no, 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 no. I'm gonna take it. You know why? You know why? To add to my collection. 
I'm I'm still, I'm still, I'm still about, um, season two uh, um, Stranger World, but you, I mean, but, but, I mean, but, but it's it, 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 it gonna come out until on December fifth, so I gotta wait for that. Yeah, we gotta wait. Absolutely. Yeah, I know we gotta wait. And 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 <laughs> and and, 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 and too. I I I I I, 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 I watching again like about like about uh like we like like about like, like last three weeks. Yeah, I watch it again next week. I watch it again. I watch it again next week. Right. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Excellent. Say, I mean, I'm well, Ray, we, I mean, you know, we 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 love we love to hear from you, Ray. Absolutely, we love to hear from the Bronx. Yeah, I know. I know. No, so so much is going on. No, 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 right now. Like, no, like, it's going quick. No, um, right now, you. That's why, you know, so every, you know, everything is going really crazy. And I and mean, honest you, I already knew you got, I knew that her, her, her was going on. It's mad crazy. I bet. I bet it is. You know, you know, you know, you know, seeing the war and everything else. And then, and then what next? What next? Did two bad gunmen and shooting up people get mad and shit. I'm like, what's going on here? What, what's going on with this? I hear you, Ray. I hear you, buddy. I hear you. Just hang in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks well. a lot for calling, Ray. We we love to hear from you. Yeah, well, this is this is that guy. I'm sorry. I'm going to go to that copy of Lord Lord. Go ahead, send to me. I will watch it, and I'll let you know my opinion. As I said, it's up to you. And you're 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 absolutely entitled to your opinion, Ray, and we respect that, right, guys? That's right. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, Ray, make sure you say hello to your wife for us too. All right. Oh, no problem. No, 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 um, oh, no problem. I got that. All right. Thanks a lot for calling, Ray. Have a good night and stay safe down there you in the Bronx, that. buddy. All uh, right. That. that was Ray from the Bronx, guys, and. We we hear from Ray every once in a while, and we love to hear from Ray. They have great pizza down in New York City, by the way. And uh, oh, this hell is the yeah. part of the show. Yeah, they got the best for sure. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Yep. Oh, hell and yeah. this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays. And we always start off our Star Trek birthdays that was not a by, song. sadly enough, remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to remember actor John Anderson. He's the actor who played the role of Kevin Uxbridge in the TNG third season episode, The Survivors. If you haven't watched that episode in a while, you should probably watch it again. It's amazing. Uh, that's the one about the killing of the Who's Knock. Anderson also had a reoccurring role on the hit, te- hit television series, MacGyver, of course. He was uh, MacGyver's father after his grandmother and real father were killed in a car accident. Lots of work on Twilight Zone and other things along the way. John Anderson, amazing actor, would have had a birthday on October 20th this week. Happy birthday. Happy birthday as well to actor Michael Dunn. Michael Dunn was the Academy Award-nominated, Tony Award-nominated American actor who portrayed 
Alexander in the original series, third season episode, Plato's Stepchildren, a very talented film and stage actor Dunn was born with spondylopiphyseal dysplasia, uh, commonly called dwarfism, but he certainly didn't let that slow him down. He had a fantastic career. At one point, Dunn was actually considered uh, by Gene Roddenberry for the part of Spock in The Cage. He was also considered for the role of Balok in The Corbomite Maneuver. Um, he made his feature film debut as Glocken in 1965's Ship of Fools, and for this performance, he actually received an Academy Award nomination. So nothing like coming out of the gate strong. Michael Dung, very cool actor. We lost him all the way back in 1973. He only lived to age 38. Happy birthday. Happy Dude, birthday. Michael as Dunn as uh, Balok, can you just see that? I, can totally I could see totally it. see it. That would have uh, been amazing. Yeah, uh, that would have re- I mean, no offense, Clint, but uh, yeah. I mean, that would have been freaking – I could totally picture – that iteration uh, yeah and, wow yeah his skills are off the charts and that 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 would have been great um but uh you know uh michael dunn uh, we miss you brother a uh, long time ago georgia brown would have also had a birthday this week she was the actress who portrayed helena rojenko of course in the fourth and fifth season episodes of tng family and new ground if you don't remember who she is well she's Worf's mama of course um, the latter episode here, Newground, would prove to be her last television appearance. She unfortunately was lost at the age of 58 years old, but before that, she earned the BAFTA Film Award nomination for her role in the 1971 film The Raging Moon, in which she co-starred with Malcolm McDowell. She also earned an Emmy nomination for her guest appearance as Madame La Rosa in an episode of Cheers back in the day, a little show I'm positive that you've all heard of. She's uh, done a couple of films along the way, um, but had some complications on a surgery that that she went through uh, when she was 58 years old, and we did lose her back in 1992. So Georgia Brown, we miss you. Uh, thank you for raising Worf <laughs> in a figurative sort uh, through your character, uh, and happy birthday to you. Happy birthday as well to actor John Winston. John Winston was the actor who played Lieutenant Kyle through all three seasons of TOS. He also reprised that role in Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, played his Mirror Universe counterpart in Mirror Mirror, and voiced the ISS Enterprise's computer voice in that same episode, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Winston did a little bit of other work along the way sci-fi-wise. He was in an episode of Time Tunnel, and he did a little Max Headroom along the way. Uh, He also portrayed Captain Jeffries in the fan-made internet series Star Trek New Voyages. Uh, He was in the episode Come What May in 2004. So happy birthday to actor John Winston. Happy birthday as well to Wit Bissell. Wit Bissell was the New York-born actor best known to Star Trek fans for playing Lurie on the TOS second season episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, one of Bissell's more memorable moments, of course, is that of Dr. Alfred Brandon in the cult science fiction film, I Was a Teenage Werewolf from 1957. Uh, he was also in the movie The Time Machine in 1960. Uh, and while the original series was in its first season, Bissell was actually a regular on the TV series The Time Tunnel, where he coincidentally played a lieutenant general named Kirk. 
Yes, that's right. He was Kirk while there was another Kirk going on at the same time on a different television show. Uh, he did lots and lots of motion pictures along the way, uh, major and minor roles. So uh, pretty cool actor, Whit Bissell. We miss you. You lived to be 86 years old. And we lost you back in the mid-90s. Happy birthday, Whit. Happy birthday as well to Peter Dennis. Peter Dennis was the English actor who played Isaac Newton in Voyager's second season episodes, Death Wish, or episode Death Wish. He also played Admiral Hendricks in the seventh season Voyager episode, Friendship One. After a very early career on British television, he eventually moved to the U.S. in 91 and began appearing on tons of uh, American television shows, the first of which was Murder, She Wrote, which was absolutely a show that uh, I admit I watched back in the day, although I was mm-hmm. uh, high school, college age, I, I, I was into it. Perhaps his most notable film role is that of Leslie Bow in the acclaimed 2004 comedy Sideways, which I just, <laughs> I don't know, I think Paul kind of likes that movie too, if I remember right. I, I don't know, I just think that movie's pretty cool. Um, he did some voice work along the way too. He did uh, some work in the movie Shrek from 2001. Uh, he also was in the Aragon movies uh, along with Ed Spielers. But the thing that he's really, really well known for was this cool show that he did for so many years called Bother, the Brain of Pooh, in which he performs um, Winnie the Pooh stories at a theater. In fact, he was so well known for this. He started this back in 1976. Ten years later in 86, that show would receive uh, its American premiere at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute in Hollywood, California, where it was immediately honored with the Dramalogue Award and the L.A. Theater Award. He performed that show over 300 more times and at more than 100 different venues throughout both America and Europe. It, it is something that I would have loved to have seen. It sounds amazing. Unfortunately, we lost Peter Dennis back in 2009 at the age of 75 years old. So happy birthday and lots of love going out to Peter Dennis. Uh, And last but not least, we're saying happy birthday this week to Edwin Warren Reamers, also known as Ed Reamers. Ed Reamers lived to be the ripe old age of 96 years old. He was the American actor and veteran television and commercial announcer who played Admiral Fitzpatrick in the TOS second season episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, Reamers was perhaps best known as the spokesman for the Illinois-based insurance company Allstate. You're in good hands with Allstate. That was him. He was the guy who did that thing. He was also an announcer on several other television programs, did commercials for Skippy Peanut Butter and Crest that if you lived through that era, you absolutely heard this guy's voice on television. He even filled in for Hugh Downs on The Tonight Show in New York City when Downs took his vacations. Um, He narrated uh, industrial films for Lockheed Missiles and Space Company. (laughs) So this guy had a voice that you would absolutely recognize and probably want to do whatever he told you to do. Uh, Reamers lived most of his life in L.A., eventually moved to Saratoga Springs, not unlike my sister-in-law, Cindy, who one day may listen to this podcast uh, and we just lost him back in 2009. So Ed Reamers would have had a birthday on October 26th. Happy birthday and love going out to Ed Reamers. And that does it, you guys, for all of our remembrances. I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle over to Charles. Okay, thank you, Eric. <clears throat> I'll try going quick, but I got a couple of good ones in here. Happy birthday to Daniel Stewart who played Batale in Star Trek Next Generation, fifth season episode, 
second, the inner light, sun, who appeared in the TV series Block as Patrick Stewart's son in that episode. So they played father and son twice. Happy birthday to Amanda Acuri, the actress who played Cadet <coughs> Sorry, Val Sash. In Star Trek Discovery's fourth season episode, All Is Possible, who also appeared in the Grassi series, which I didn't see. Happy birthday to Kitty Swink, act, American actress who played Minister Roseanne in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's second season episode, Sanctuary, and Loran in the seventh season episode, Tracking Into the Wind. Happy birthday to Conrad Plath, Doan, in Star Trek Discovery's first season episode, Contact is King. Happy birthday to Layla Serakilo, artist and fashion designer who appeared as a pass buyer in San Francisco Francisco Street in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, her only acting role, who actually wasn't supposed to speak. But because of her lines, they were kept in the movie. I'm sure you guys all remember that scene of Uhura and... Yeah. Them Chekhov. Yeah. Looking for Alameda. Yeah, Alameda. And, and a stranger speaking out. Yes. And that was her only IDM credit. Happy birthday to Kevin Michael Richardson, who voiced Vendor in Star Trek's Lower Decks first season episode, Temporal Edict. Edict. Born in the Bronx, born in Bronx, New York, he has voiced many, many animated film and TV series, such as The Mask, the animated series, The New Batman Adventures, Pokemon, Powerpuff Girls, Tron in the Third Dimension, Family Guy, Lilo and Stitch movie, as well as a TV series, Codeman Kids Next Door, Batman vs. Dracula, Mummy, the animated series, Batman Gotham Knights. He's got a pretty good record in all his voice work. Happy birthday to... I'm... Sorry, I look at my list and I'm missing somebody in my list. Happy birthday, Lennon Parham, actress, comedian, who voiced Shari Yem in Star Trek's Lower Decks episode, second season, IX and... Okay, I cut off the name on it. Um, the actor who played Paul Stamets. Who was the actress who played Paul Rapp. Yeah, Anthony Rapp. Anthony Rapp. Thank Rapp you. I for, some reason, I, for some reason, cut off Anthony's name. Happy hmm. birthday to Anthony Rapp, who played Paul Stamets in the Discovery series for about 50-some episodes. Because I had some interesting stories about him. His actual first movie 
some of the age 80s remember this, was Adventure Babysitting. Award-nominated, the Broadway and theatrical release. One of my favorites is his work in Rent. But I did not realize this. He also performed the role of Charlie Brown in the 1999 Broadway revival of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. (laughs) So a very big happy birthday to Anthony Rapp. Not only thank you for the work you've done, Discovery. Thank you for the work you did with Rent. Love that production. Paul, who's on your list? Oh, thanks, Charles. There's a bunch of good folks on here uh, this particular week that we are out there. Uh, Let's start off with a a real luminary here. Um, I'd like to say happy birthday to actor Sam Witwer. Now, we're acknowledging him here on the show for his work on Star Trek Enterprise in a third season episode called The Shipment, where he played a Zindi Arboreal character. However, uh, science fiction fans at large will, of course, recognize Sam Whitmer for his uh, longstanding work in the Star Wars franchise, in particular his work on the Clone Wars, where he's done the voice work for Darth Maul for, I think, at least nine or ten years. Uh, Just tremendous. Uh, Really, really talented actor. He's been in a lot of great pictures like... uh, uh, the Mist from the Stephen King adaptation. Uh, he's been around for a good long time. Real charismatic, and uh, and the guy just is a voiceover machine. But a very popular convention. So uh, Sam Whitmer, Whitmer, we need to get you back in the Star Trek world, there, brother. I <laughs> know they're paying you that uh, Star Wars money, but we miss you. It'll be great to have you back. You're a talented individual. And this one is uh, for all of our uh, original series fans. We're saying happy birthday to the great Sheila Layton, who played the role of Luma in the original series third season episode, often maligned, but we love it, Spock's brain. Brain and brain. What is brain? (laughs) Great stuff. You know, it's easy to judge a show like that with modern sensibilities, but uh, it's a... it was pretty funny and uh, pretty entertaining, and it's just it's a unique thing. So let's let's appreciate it for what it is. Happy birthday, Miss Layton. Happy birthday also to Liz, Larissa Laskin. I'm tripping over my tongue today, friends. Sorry about that. Uh, Larissa Laskin, actress who played Kala in the Enterprise second season episode Cogenitor. Happy birthday to Krista Yang, Canadian actress who appeared as Rob in the Star Trek shorts. Short Treks episode, The Trouble with Edward. I think we've all seen that at least once. Happy birthday to Charlie Lang, a Passaic, New Jersey native, who played Duffy in the Next Generation third season episode, Hollow Pursuits. That wonderful uh, uh, Barclay-centric episode. Uh, Really good stuff. So if you've not seen it in a while, really, really excellent and pretty hilarious. Now we need to prepare ourselves friends we must prepare ourselves because uncle jim may be triggered by this next birthday he may. It's he entirely may. possible so i want my good friend eric to uh get the straps may. and hold him down yeah because yep. we are down. here to unabashedly pay tribute to the great seth mcfarlane who uh, is, of course, we know from being in at least two episodes of Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Enterprise, and episodes The Forgotten and Affliction. But it's no secret that Seth MacFarlane 
loves Star Trek. And he loves it so much, he channeled it into his very own science fiction show, a little ditty called The Orville that sometimes gets mentioned on this show to varying degrees of result. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. not very often, but occasionally. Occasionally. It's undeniable that there's certainly a lot of fans of that show. And I like to think that all science fiction can coexist harmoniously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that there's a place for everything and everything in its place. And sometimes people love stuff you just can't believe that they love. It's jaw-dropping. But, you know, it still exists, and it's a good thing. So happy birthday, Sex sex, sex McFarland. (laughs) He probably probably wouldn't mind that one. I think you'd like that. uh, (laughs) Next time he's getting a table at a restaurant, you know, they're paging him. Uh, Sex uh, McFarland, Sex McFarland, your table is ready. Yeah, I mean, the guy is so prolific, and he's hilarious, and does one of the best Frank Sinatra impersonations yeah. I've ever in my okay. life seen. Anyone who's ever seen the movie Sing, yep. uh, holy Mary, the guy is just, like, you'd swear Frank Francis Albert was right in the room. It's unbelievable. So really great. Happy birthday, Seth, and keep on rocking, brother. And finally for me, happy birthday goes out to really talented director-producer Ola Tunde Osun Sanmi, a Nigerian-American director, producer who's done quite a few episodes of Discovery and at least two episodes of Short Tracks. Uh, Olutande has also served as co-executive producer on the first season of Discovery, one of my favorites, and executive producer on the second, third, fourth, and upcoming fifth season of Discovery, and on the second season of Short Tracks. Uh, it has also been announced, assuming we can ever get our labor disputes uh, wrangled into position, uh, that Olatunda Osun Anmi will be uh, director of the upcoming streaming film, Star Trek Section 31, that uh, a lot of folks have been super excited for. I just hope we can uh, start paying the actors what they're due. Uh, and settle all this nonsense with the labor negotiations there, deep-pocketed morons, I mean, deep-pocketed executives at the studio, because uh, folks won't sit on a deal or a a development project like Section 31 forever. So if you really want to get that together and hang on to Michelle Yeoh, probably a good idea to get your house in order, open up your pocketbooks and do the right thing so that we can all get back to work. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uncle Jim? Absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. I love Michelle Yeoh when she kicks Gabriel Orca in the face and he's behind her. Oh, my God. Blows my mind every time. Let's get Section 31 made. Come on, guys. All right. I don't have a lot on my list, but I've got some real good ones. First of all, I want to say happy birthday to David Sobolov, the Canadian actor, best known for his, his voice work, providing the voice of the Gorn Salar, Star Trek Enterprise fourth season episode, In the Mirror Darkly, part two. You guys remember that uh, CGI Gorn that we saw? That was David doing the voice. Happy birthday to David. We also want to say Abram, the actor who portrayed Adar Ruffalo in Star Trek Insurrection. He made a comment that said he would love to work on Star Trek all the time, for the rest of his life, he had such a good time working on the set that he would love to do nothing but Star Trek. Happy birthday to F. Murray. We also want to say happy birthday to my uncle. Yes, he's my uncle, Biff Yeager. No, I'm just kidding you. He's not. If he was, we'd have him on the podcast. But anyways, 
Happy birthday to Biff Yeager. He played Chief Engineer Lieutenant Commander Argyle. Star Trek The Next Generation first season episodes where no one has gone before and data lore. I always save the Klingons for last. The best for last is no exception. We want to say kapla to Karen Austin. Uh, she appeared as Dr. Calandra in DS9, fifth season episode, nor the battle to the strong. But she also played Miral, Belana Torres' mother, in the Star Trek Voyager sixth season episode, Barge of the Dead, an outstanding episode. And this next one, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to begin. There's so much to be said. But I think that he played the quintessential Klingon. I think he is the guy that started the Klingon ball all rolling. Well, technically, I guess that would be Mark Leonard. But uh, as far as main characters go, we want to say happy birthday and kapla to the one, the only, the awesome Christopher Lloyd. American veteran actor, voice actor, and comedian, what hasn't he done, who appeared in Star Trek Three: to search for Spock, Commander Krug. Uh, I don't know. Wow, guys, I just can't say Great enough. Scott. Roger Rabbit. One back to the 21 future. gigawatts. The Adams Family, Axie. I mean, what hasn't this guy done? He's just phenomenal. Absolutely, without a doubt, phenomenal. And I think Due to his awesome acting, we have the great Klingons that we have today. And I told you, I would save the best for last, and I absolutely did. Uh, this next birthday, a special birthday, uh, he's one of the newest members of our Trek Talking family. But that's okay. We love him anyways. We affectionately refer to him as the toy guy. You might hear me call him the wine guy because he joined us when we were doing our fireside chat. And I'm talking about none other than the one, the only, the awesome Paul Carson himself. And I have to send out a very, very, very special happy birthday. I reserve this song for only special occasions. And, of course, we're sending this weird Al Yankovic happy birthday out to the one, (laughs) the only, Paul. With another mouth to feed Seems that everywhere you look today There's misery and greed I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun But that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun So if you think it's scary If it's more than you can take Just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake Happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday. Appreciate it. Super kind of you. It warms my dilithium crystals. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go have a glass of Tranya to celebrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well guys, it's time for Star Trek News. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. 
Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. All right, David, take it away, buddy. All right. Looks like we got what sounds like Patrick Stewart's amidst feeling jealous of Star Trek, the Next Generation co-star, Will Wheaton. Patrick Stewart gets candid about his Star Trek TNG days in his new memoir, revealing why he felt jealous of Wesley Crusher, actor Will Wheaton. Stewart admits in his memoir that he was difficult to work with in the early days of Star Trek TNG, and that extended on how he initially felt about Wheaton's presence on the show. While he found Wheaton to be cocky at the start, Stewart came to learn he was uh, projecting his own feelings onto his young co-star, ultimately realizing that he was jealous of Wheaton's confidence. He quotes, I felt that the teen on the Enterprise concept was a little gimmicky. But I was also put off by Will's adolescent self insurance. In, in quote. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, Stewart explains to me he initially came off as cocky, but as I examined examined his feelings, I realized that they were not really about Will, or some notion that he should know his place as a juvenile actor. They reflect my own vulnerability. In those few weeks, uh, first weeks, I wish I had world confidence, end quote. Every major cast member from Star Trek The Next Generation had popped up for appearances in the final season of Star Trek Picard. Notably, Wheaton's Will Wesley Crusher <clears throat> was not among them. It's unclear why the character wasn't asked to return, but Wheaton also stressed that he was nevertheless very excited to see the rest of the cast back together on screen. Stewart's memoir, Make It So, is available now in bookstores. There, <clears throat> there is also an audiobook version that's available, which is personally read by Stewart. So um, he mentioned that Will Wheaton wasn't in the Picard series. I thought he appeared in like an episode or so. Is that? Am I getting you wrong? I yeah, think no, in season took, three. Yeah, he took he, not in season three, but he took Soji away in season oh. two. So I think he, they were just saying for like that big reunion moment, he wasn't there for that. Uh, for season three. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Interesting. That was my oh, take yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, it looks like Eric is uh, next. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great article here about Lower Decks. Mike McMahon clarifies his views on chances for another Star Trek Lower Decks season pickup. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks is getting close to wrapping its fourth season on Paramount+. Plus. Earlier this month, executive producer Mike McMahon unintentionally caused a bit of a stir about the future of his animated comedy beyond season five, which is currently being written. The Cinema Blend interview titled Amidst Franchise Changes, Star Trek Lower Decks Mike McMahon gave us his worried perspective 
on the show's future got a lot of attention. CBS Studios had initially given Lower Decks a two-season order, and McMahon said he thought it was a miracle when it was picked up for a third season. Two more season pickups and multiple interviews later, the showrunner was concerned he'd given the wrong impression of his perspective on the series and didn't want fans to be overly concerned. Quote, Amazingly, I'm writing season five right now. You know how crazy it is? I have five, a five-season Star Trek show. I'm so pumped. And my thing is, don't worry that Lower Decks is going away. Celebrate it because you're watching it now. You know that you're never going to be able to do – you know what you're never going to be able to do again? Watch it when it airs and be surprised by it. It only happens once. Then the more people that watch it, the easier it is for me and has always been. That said, he remains realistic. He again reminded fans that they have a role to play when it comes to convincing Paramount Plus to approve a sixth season, explaining, quote, this stuff is never a guarantee. And the only thing that helps me, because I go into the network and I'm like, the show is great. And they're like, yeah, you make it. But if you guys are all saying it's great and people are watching it and you guys are bringing it new, like – if everybody who watched Lower Decks got one friend to sign up for Paramount Plus to watch the season, even in one hit, it would double our numbers. I have no control over this stuff, but it's not that it's like that now. It's just always been like that. So if you love a thing, watch it. And I think that last line there is probably what he's talking about, but I, I think he's not just talking about watching it. One of the things that I've definitely noticed uh, over the last couple of years is there's a real push to talk about these things on the internet and kind of share your opinions. And I think there are a lot of executives that monitor the various, you know, social medias to kind of find out what the fans are thinking, what the pulse of everybody is like. So, um, you know, if you love Lower Decks and you're excited about a fifth season and you would like to see a sixth season, um, start talking about it online. Start talking about the things you'd like to see and, and that kind of stuff. I think that's what Mike McMahon is saying. So uh, as fans of the show, I think we can't disagree. Right, Charles? Oh, definitely. What else you got for All us? Right. Okay. <clears throat> Patrick Stewart <clears throat> need to understand why Whoopi Goldberg are to do Star Trek. Patrick Stewart and Whoopi Goldberg are close friends, but when she joined the cast, start, joined the cast of Star Trek: Next Generation in 1988, Stewart needed to understand why an Academy Award nominee and Hollywood star wanted to join Star Trek. Sir Patrick told a story on how he approached the Academy Award nominee with his need to understand why she joined the cast of Star Trek: Next Generation. In season two of Next Generation, I was informed that Whoopi Goldberg was joining the cast. She'd just been nominated for an Academy Award, and I thought, why would she want to join a science fiction series that's already been running for a year? And and she was lovely, warm and friendly, and of course amusing. One day, they were lighting up a scene or changing scenery, and she was sitting alone. So I sat beside her and asked, Whoopi, I don't understand why you agreed to do this. She told me the story of when she was a child, what the original Star Trek had meant to her, with Leonard Nimoy and Bill Shatner. And she said, there was a black woman in the cast, Michelle Nichols, and made me think, one of us must have made it. It was her present, not, 
not just the role, but the future. One of us was going to make it, and I love that. And we've been close friends ever since. Whoopi Goldberg was an acclimated movie star, Hollywood box office draw, and Academy Award nominated for The Color Purple when she joined the cast of Star Trek Next Generation. And her role as Guinan provided an unmeasurable boost to the series. A star of Goldberg's stature, she won the 1990 Best Supporting Actress for Ghost, giving TNG an extra level of cash, cachet, which coincided with the series' gradual turn into producing some great, greatest Star Trek stories ever. No doubt Whippy Goldberg's presence on Star Trek Next Generation was as much an inspiration to African Americans as Michelle Nichols was the Star Trek the original series was to her. I haven't gotten to that part of his biography yet, but I'm in the middle of it, and I can't wait to read a lot of these stories about Star Trek. And we might be actually talking about that book in a future episode. I think we should. It's a good book. Well, guys, we're just about out of time, believe it or not. Uh, I want to say thank you to the one and only Leslie Hoffman for uh, jumping in and chatting with us a little bit about um, about Planet Hell. We appreciate having Leslie on. And it's always great to hear from our buddy Ray down in the Bronx. Thanks for calling, Ray. And thank you so much to the birthday boy himself, Mr. <laughs> Paul. Thank you for Thanks, joining buddy. us in Trek Talking, Paul. <laughs> Pleasure. Great to be back. And thank you. It's, it's always fun. Always fun. And thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek Talking with us. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, it's been fun. And thank you so much to Eric as well for Trek Talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Oh, it's great to have the family back together, guys. Great time as always. It is. It definitely is. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out in Trek Talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Great to talk. Great talking Trek and great talking to Lee again. To me, she, she definitely had a good time and talking with all of us, and she would love to come back on again and chat with us some more. So we'll, we'll make that happen for sure. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying to everybody, please be good to each other and stay safe. And always remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, night, all. Prosper. Good night, all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.